This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. If you are new here, uh, I am the mom of four. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband, Glenn, and our four boys. I am a lifelong runner. I've run 17 marathons. I just had a hysterectomy. Whoa. So big life changes going on in my life now. Um, just ramping up, getting back started with working out. Uh, I also host a podcast for runners called All Have Another. I love to read. I love to connect with you all. And I love living in community with my neighbors. Uh, connect with me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. This podcast is Why Is Everyone Yelling? Uh, that's just a little rundown of me. I figured I hadn't done that in a while. So I thought I'd give you a little peek into my life. Uh, today on the podcast... So excited to welcome Heather Adams to the show. I stumbled upon Heather when she was on another podcast that I listened to and found out that she was Jen Hatmaker's book agent and she does so much with Jen and so many other women around the country. And I just loved her pizzazz and energy. I started listening to some of her podcasts and I thought, why am I not asking her to be on this show? Hello. She is the CEO and founder of Choice Communications. Her passion and mission is to link arms with other women as their champion and mentor in life and in work. She has launched over 100 New York Times bestselling books. She's a publicist and a communications expert. She has two teenage boys and she brings the energy today. I know you're going to love this conversation with Heather. All right, friends, I mentioned that I am a lifelong runner and I also host a podcast for runners. I mostly interview professional runners over there. I do want to let you know, though, because I know this is also a pretty active community that I have training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. I have beginner and intermediate 5K training plans. If you're just getting started, there's a beginner beginner plan. Starts with a very casual run walk. 10 bucks on my website, lindsayhine.com. Uh, and then I have half marathon and marathon training plans. So if you're looking to run a half marathon or a marathon in the fall, go check them out. It's much cheaper than hiring a coach. And it is a very detailed training plan with a pace chart, all the things. Just go to lindsayhine.com and uh, click on training plans and you will find all that's there. All right, friends, leave us a rating interview. If you love the podcast, that is a huge help and a way new potential listeners can find us and have the very best day and enjoy my conversation with Heather. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Heather Adams on the show. Welcome to the show, Heather. Lindsay, thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. We have so many common people, at least that I follow and read their work totally. and that you've worked with that's been on our podcast. And so I'm super excited for this. Same. We're going to have a great conversation. That's what we're doing, right? It's just two girlfriends talking here. I love that. I didn't even know some of the guests who've been on this show have been past clients of yours or <laughs> current clients of yours. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You've been so generous and good to our clients. So thank oh. you for that. And I'm excited to be among the coveted group. 
Um, so you're the CEO of Choice Media Communications, mom of two boys. Tell us a little bit about your work and how you got into that. Yeah. So I grew up um, in Atlanta, Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, go dogs, reigning national football champions, back to I, back. I, wait, I, th- <laughs> I think I'm going to be going to a Georgia football game this fall. Well, if you do, I need to give you the whole spiel. And if it's going to be in Athens, I'll be there. So it you is. can come to our tailgate. It's um late, late in the fall. One of my girlfriends down the street. We're going to talk about friends in this episode. Yes. And a quick yes, which I talked to you about, Laura Tremaine. One of my girlfriends down the street was like, I want to go to a Georgia football game. I'm booking tickets. Do you want a ticket? And on the yes. spot, five months out, I was just like, yeah, I'll go which is very unlike me. So anyway, that's amazing. Well, I'll be there. We go to all the home games. We have season tickets. I'm a diehard Georgia Bulldog fan long before we were back to back national champions. But um, yeah, so I grew up in Atlanta. I studied journalism at the University of Georgia. And when I graduated, I went into, um, into the PR world. And I have been a publicist for almost 30 years. So that's wow. <laughs> telling you my age, but almost 30 years. And um, I met this really hunky, cute guy from Nashville. And so I moved from Atlanta to Nashville um, more than 20 years ago. And we got married and we have two boys, Dixon and Thaxton, who are teenagers. So we can talk about the boy mom thing too. Yes. And I'm just ahead of you raising teenage boys. Um, and, um, and I initially worked for a book publishing company in Nashville when I first moved here and Matt and I got married. And that's where I really cut my teeth on working with major national media, working with authors and had the privilege of serving like, I mean, you name them and and they've written a book and I've probably worked with them in some capacity, like really incredible thought leaders and change agents across a a wide variety of industries and and genres of books. And in the recession, I got laid off years ago and I had been there almost a decade and was running the publicity department. And when that happened, my husband looked at me and said, don't take your next step step out of fear, fear we can't pay our mortgage, fear we can't feed our children, because the boys at that time were one and three, so little bitty babies, and um, we were definitely a two-income household, and so I started a consulting business, Just Me, and then that eventually became Choice, which is the business that I've owned now. We just celebrated nine years and um, so almost a decade. Congratulations. And it's an, thank you. We're an all female team. We work with clients in the entertainment and lifestyle space. Um, a lot of personalities, like you said, that you've had on the show or that people would recognize. Um, we do a lot of work in um, in the PR, like booking them on the Today Show, getting them in the New York Times, getting them in People Magazine, you know, those kind of things. We also do a lot of social media. We have a women's leadership conference called the Choice Summit. Um, so yeah, we it's, a, it's an amazing um, privilege and responsibility to be a female CEO, leading female CEOs, serving mostly female CEOs and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we talked about this. I 
discovered you on the story brand podcast and yeah. then I went did a deep dive and I was like I want to go to the summit conference but it yes, was like you have to come it was Lindsay. passed for the year so I have to go yeah. for 2024 next year because it was just the spring right that's right we just had it in April how did how did it go it was extraordinary. And you know, something that I took away from it, and I, I wrote a blog post about this, but this was our fourth one. And it's for female entrepreneurs, influencers, leaders who are trying to grow their business, lead their team, care for their family, like wear all the hats, right? And um, and we bring in extraordinary people, people like Jen Hatmaker, people like JJ Peterson from StoryBrand, um, you know, just to name a few of the guest, you know, speakers this year. But um, what I found this year that was so interesting as a business owner is we did not meet our goals for the summit this year hmm. uh, on on one level, like the amount of tickets that we were trying to sell. And what I realized in doing that is where we were winning and we weren't even paying attention to. So there was mm. this area of the summit, and the summit is extraordinary for so many reasons, um, but we were winning in this one area really, really specifically, and we were not even paying attention to that because we were so laser focused on how many tickets can we sell. And so this year was like eye-opening for that. Mm. And, and it's um, changing the narrative and the way we're looking at it for next year. So there's a lot to be learned, even when you think um, you haven't, you know, achieved something that you were seeking out. Yeah. I mean, you have me thinking so much about my own business when I think about like, okay, in order to run this show, to pay my editor, to do all the things I want to do, like I need to make this amount of money in sponsorship dollars. And when you focus so much on those things, you sometimes can lose sight of like why you're doing it in the first place. Exactly. And that was not what we were worried about. You know, we had, we were trying to increase sales year over year, right? It's it's been such an extraordinary success for us. Um, The reason we set out were to, to serve women like you and me who were running companies, leading teams, trying to grow their business. And and needed that community of other women who were in that same season, you know, and um, and so we were just trying to increase like from last year to this year. Hey, let's go up X percentage in sales, you know, so there's growth year over year and all those things. And instead, what we realized is the magic is in the community that we've built and the deep and meaningful experiences that we are giving individuals on a we're giving them such value on an intimate level. And instead of trying to have so many people attend the summit, mm. what if instead we make it such a quality rich experience for a, a select few? And I think it just changed the narrative for us so much because it's a more intimate experience intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think about that all the time in my yeah. In my industry with the running world, I, right, you know, there's all these big fancy meetups, not fancy, but big meetups at these races, Boston Marathon, all these things. And I do find that when I just sit down for coffee with a few people or I make it more intentional to me, it's not this like big production, 
I'm connecting with that community that's been creative on a way deeper level. You do have to do the big stuff sometimes, but like the meaningful connections happen in a smaller setting. It's like taking my own principles in life about friendships or about um, the way we pitch media. We don't throw everything up against the wall and send it to a thousand media outlets and try and get coverage. We go after the right select media intentionally for that specific client. Same thing in my friendships. I don't have a hundred superficial friendships. I have five deep, meaningful friendships, right? And so it's like, why not apply that same thing to this summit or to whatever it is that we're working on and and look at it that way? Um, but it but by really evaluating that this year and realizing where we were winning, it allowed us to not think this was such a loss. This was not a not a good win, you know? Okay, I'm super curious your thoughts on this um, profession, like what I do and people in this kind of space and what that looks like and means for people, kids who are coming out of college now. Like the landscape has totally Uh, changed. 20 years ago, what was my job? It didn't exist. Like we've made, we've created these jobs for ourselves, which is really cool. Um, Yeah. What would you say to someone who wants to get into this space? And when I say this, this space, it's a huge space. Whatever your right. expertise is in or interest is in that you can share with people, like if you're good at it, you can make a yeah. job out of it. That's right. Well, I think we have a lot to learn from um, what came out of the pandemic as it relates to influencers in any industry. Um what here's what I will say about college kids. Every one of them thinks they can be famous now. And, (laughs) and they're so obsessed with the amount of likes and followers and all of that. And so I worry about that for a lot of reasons, but what I would say to anyone who is interested in making a job that works for their quality of life that Mm. they desire, which I think is what a lot of, a, a lot of people have done is They've built a business around the quality of life that they're looking for rather than the opposite is you. There are a lot of people that are in the running athletic sports space, right, Lindsay? There are a lot of people who are in food. There are a lot of people in entertainment. There are a lot of people in mental health. There are a lot of, you know, in nutrition, um, business and leadership, Like it's a noisy, crowded, overwhelming space, regardless of your industry. You have got to figure out how you can be distinctive. Mm. What is it about you that is different from every other female runner out there? What is it about you that is different than every other food blogger that is out there, than every other photographer that is out there? You know, you've got to figure out how we can get you above the noise Mm. um, because there's so much competing for all of our attention. And and so I think that's the first thing is really figuring out how am I different? And, you know, we have a lot of people that come to us and they're like, there's nothing out there like this. And I'm like, that is not the case. You know, (laughs) there I I appreciate so much that you feel like this is different because nobody is doing this same thing. But that 99.9% of the time is not true. (laughs) How do you get out of that? Like, okay, if you think that, great. Like if you're, you know, that confident, but like, 
oftentimes people don't start because of that. Like, oh, you know, there's already a million running podcasts. There's already a million people talking about this. And, you know, I would say specifically to my running podcast, if I wouldn't have started it seven years ago, I don't know that I would have started it three years ago because it got real noisy and it wasn't real noisy yet then. And you started seven years ago and just started, right? And got something going. And think about all the people that in the middle of the pandemic were doing podcasts, but you were well ahead of that because you started initially. It may have not been perfect. It it may have not been flawless. It may have not had a large audience to begin with, but you started. And I think Mm. so often we are paralyzed seeking perfection and we're debilitated. And so we don't take those steps into fear that are a good thing for us to do. So my encouragement is to just start. It's going to be messy. Um, You're going to make a lot of mistakes. There may not be a huge audience to start, and that's okay. But you need to get started in some way, especially if you feel this like deep Mm. burning passion in the pit of your stomach saying like, this is my why. This is why I'm here. This is why I exist is to share this with these people. Um, you know, that gut feeling doesn't lead you astray. All right, a quick break here. Whoa, let me tell you about Cozy Earth. All right, I've heard about Cozy Earth for a very long time, ever since I saw them on Oprah's Favorite Things. They are luxury goods that will transform your life. And when I mean your life, I mean your sleep. Okay, Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. I have these sheets on my bed right now and on my pillowcases. You know when you get hot at night and then you wanna like flip the pillow over? You don't even like get that when you sleep in these sheets. They are so comfortable, so cooling. And I am a hot sleeper. I need a cooling sheet. And that soft, soft pillowcase on my, of course, lagoon pillows that I use. They also have super cozy loungewear, like the most comfortable loungewear you will ever find. You can try it out for 35% off. I never have sponsor codes for that big of a discount. This is a really great deal to check out. So just go to CozyEarth.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, three, five. I highly recommend the sheets. Good sheets are a bit of an investment, but you spend so much of your time in that cozy bed. Get yourself some good sheets. It's time to do it. CozyEarth.com. Use the code L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-3-5 for 35% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Let's talk about books a little bit. Yeah. So at the end of every podcast, this and other pod, my other podcast, I always say, what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah. So many people say, I want to write a book. Now, exactly. And they come to us and tell us that very thing. You know, they're like, hey, I have a book idea. What do I do next? You know, yeah. or I feel like I, you know, am supposed to write a book about this particular, mm. particular thing. So many people have book ideas and have stories that are important to be told. Yes. And we've, you know, we've had the privilege because of, you know, my background in the book publishing world of, of launching more than a hundred New York Times bestsellers. Wow. And we, so we've That's worked incredible. with. incredible. Thank you. 
That is incredible. Thank you. It's um, it is obviously a, an entire team effort and not something we do in a vacuum by ourselves. But we are very fortunate and humbled to be on the team with that many um, successful stories. Yeah. Well, one thing I was thinking when I was when I was thinking through this is like a lot of those people that answer that question for me are like Tracy, who has over 100,000 followers on social media or yeah. an Olympic gold medalist. So these people have these like built in platforms. Yeah. Um, what about someone who doesn't have that, though? Yeah, I think there are a lot of um people in their head telling them a couple of things on the regular that prevent them from wanting to step forward with a book. One is my platform isn't big enough. The other is, um, you know, will people care and want to buy the book? The third is, but nobody knows who I am. Like will media, will influencers, will people pay attention because they don't know who I am. And, you know, I can tell you that having worked in the industry for as long as I have, that those three lies are myths mm. about not moving forward. You cannot have a platform and have a really successful book launch. People cannot know who you are and that can be overcome. Um, you know, you can say, uh, you know, is, is nobody going to buy this? And that can be squashed. It all comes back to the story that you are telling being told to the right audience. Mm. Yeah, I think about, I'm sure you know who Cal Newport is. Sure. He, he's like the no social media guy, but he's like got this really big following with his books. And yeah. I've always wondered, how the heck does he do that? Because we do leverage our social media a lot, whether it's big or small yeah. for well, things and like books. He's an anomaly, you know, <laughs> now somebody like him would never get signed with a publishing house because he doesn't have a platform he brings to the table. The first question that acquisition editors asks now is how big is your email list? How engaged is that audience? That's it's it. not, um, you know, of course they're looking at how many followers you have on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, but that doesn't always translate to book sales. They want engaged consumers and, and, you know, publishers, there are, you know, so many books that are released in a year and so few of those go on to be really, really successful. And so the filters have changed in the 20 plus years that I've been in book publishing, the filters have changed in what publishing houses are looking for in order for them to be interested in moving forward and a platform is huge right now and and is a reason so somebody like him is an anomaly and nowadays wouldn't get signed right um but he already has it, a name like that yeah know. he's already established and has credibility and a following and all of that and i hate that as a as a book lover because at the end of the day it should be about the content just being extraordinary writing you know mm -hmm. right but but now, and, and Jen and I talked about this on this story brand, um, you know, podcast, an author has to be so much more than just a great writer. Mm -hmm. They, there's this, um, personality and persona, you know, they have to do so much to promote themselves and their book. And there's a whole thing about 
well, not all writers are great in front of a camera. Not all writers, they're writing for a reason because they're great writers, right? And so, so that, you know, that has changed drastically in the last couple of decades for sure. Yeah. How do you, I think in any industry we see shifts, right? Things Mm -hmm. change, the world change, businesses change. How have you adapted? Like you have to constantly be educating yourself as well. Well, totally. Like when I graduated from the University of Georgia in 1998, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all the things didn't exist. Thank God, considering (laughs) how, you know, the fact that I was a student at the University of Georgia in the 90s, I'm glad nobody had social media and was following me around in Athens. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you have to be a constant learner in order to be able to adapt well with whatever industry, you know, you're in. I think one thing that we learned with the pandemic is that people could run legitimate businesses out of their home, right? Mm -hmm. And before the pandemic, people looked at you like if you ran your business out of a home and you worked virtually, like you weren't legitimate, you weren't serious, right? But then when there was an even playing field and everybody was in that space, they were like, Oh, you know, like, oh, we can, as long as I have Wi-Fi and a phone, like I can run my business this way, you know, and, and, and I think those are the kind of things that change as we evolve. Obviously, influencers have changed the social media landscape drastically and the and media in general. You know, when I graduated and I was pursuing outlets, it was print magazines and newspapers. It was television shows. It was radio. Podcasts didn't exist. The World Wide Web was a brand new thing. I mean, think about how much that has evolved. And I have to stay on top of that in order to be relevant and valuable to the clients that we serve. And I think that's with any industry, you know, that you're in. Okay. Let's talk about media a little bit. You know, when I, apologies for relating this back to my story a lot, but just as we talk about it, I think about my history. Um, It's the most natural way to do it, I think. Um, You know, when I lived, so we live in Raleigh, North Carolina now. And when I lived in Indianapolis, I would oftentimes go on the local news and talk about running stuff. I never knew like, how much did that matter? Like Mm -hmm. how important was that to my business and what I was doing? And honestly, I still don't know how important it was. I just know They would call me up for a local segment sometime to talk about training for the mini marathon and I'd come on and do it. Yeah. Um, So regardless of what your business is or what you're trying to do, there's lots of people who don't do what I do that are running a business or whatever. Like, how do you know, like, what's the right media I should be going to and pitching? Well, there are a couple of questions that you want to ask yourself on the front end before a media campaign is even developed. And it's, you know, what does a win look like for me? Like at the end of the day, why do I want to be in People Magazine? Why do I want to be on the local NBC noon hour program? Why do I want to be in the New York Times? Like whatever your your end goal is, you need to think about that first. Because media may not be the right format or pursuit for you. And then I think you have to ask yourself questions like, you know, out of this media interview, am I hoping to gain authority? Like people are going to look to me as an expert in my respective industry. 
Are you looking at it because you want to gain credibility? Um, you know, I have been on X show. Mm. I have been in X magazine. It's like a feather in my cap, so to speak. Are you looking to do it for um, the visibility? Like you're gaining exposure to a new audience because you're on this, you know, in this interview or in this, you know, magazine or on this podcast or whatever it is. You want to think about those things at the very beginning because that determines the strategy in approaching who do I approach? What outlets? What what are the angles that I pursue with those outlets? What formats even? Like, where do I win? Am I more compelling when I'm writing out answers to written questions? So if that's the case, I might do a print interview or online as opposed to a podcast or a television or a radio interview. Um, am I really compelling visually? Like, am I engaging and dynamic as a speaker and communicator? If so, then something where there's a video component is going to be beneficial to me, right? So you want to evaluate those kind of things first because that helps ma- map out the strategy to take you to the right outlets of the right formats with the right goal and 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 what you're hoping, you know, the desired outcome of of doing those media interviews is to begin with, you know? I think people in this like uh entrepreneur, I hate the word influencer, whatever space you want to call it, right? Yeah. Um, content creator is like yeah, the new moniker. Like I'm not an right. influencer. I'm a content creator. Yeah. Now you're <laughs> seeing all these videos of like de-influencing. Like here's yeah. how messy my laundry room is. Um, yeah, exactly. But people are, I think people get stuck, right? And then they're like, it's time to hire someone like you. It's time to mm-hmm. hire a company to help them with their branding or help them with that next step and pitching. And it's scary because you got to spend the money. That's so right. And you're you not guaranteed you're the not. results. Yeah, there's, we have influence. We don't have control. It's very mm-hmm. different than if you're placing an ad somewhere where you have control over what that messaging is, when it happens, what the link to click back to is, how it's designed, what it says, what issue it's in. All of those things you can control. And with PR, you don't have control. You have a lot of influence, but I can't force the producer at Good Morning America to have you on. Yeah. I have access and a relationship there. I know what works for their audience, but ultimately they're the gatekeeper that says yes or no. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's a huge risk that you are taking, but media garners so much credibility for mm. a variety of reasons because it's earned coverage as opposed to paid for coverage, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just like when you're following someone on Instagram and you know that a post that they're talking about these great leggings that they love, you know it's sponsored and they're being paid for that versus yeah. somebody just talking about great leggings that they discovered and found and they want to share with you, right? You look at those two different posts very differently. And that's the way you can think about, you know, um, PR versus marketing is PR is earned and it's not paid for coverage. Um, so it's it's a little bit different lens that people have a lot more respect for and feel like is a little bit more honest. Ooh, I have a really... Well, I think it's interesting topic here. 
Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this for seven years, like we said. And um, until I started this podcast, why is everyone yelling? I never had a guest say, yeah, I'll come on your show for this amount of money when I pitch people. Like, oh. I'll have another. I've been hosting that. I had been hosting that for over five years at that time. Never, you know, and at the beginning, you're you're mostly pitching. Then you start getting pitches yourself and all, you know, right. pitches to you. Um, but I've never once had a guest, someone say, sure, I'll come on. and It'll be this much money. But when I started this podcast, I think two times ever, I've had someone say, sure. One person said $1,000 for 30 minutes. And I was like, I'm not looking to hire you for a consult. I'm looking yeah. to interview you. And then you get like, you know, you get uh, people hearing about what you do as well. That's like, right. You're eyes exposed on your to a new audience. You're exposed to my audience that yeah. you don't have access to unless I invite you on my show. Right. Right. And so anyway, obviously I didn't pay that person. And I just like, I didn't have the budget for it. Like this show wasn't yeah. making any money. Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are because when they told me that I was caught off guard and I've since seen some like Twitter threads about this and where some people think they should be paid. And I, I do not think that because I view it as like, oh, I'm getting yeah. a write up in women's running magazine or, or whatever. That's right. I mean, the biggest celebrities, thought leaders out there in the world are not being paid to go on other people's podcasts. Brene Brown is not being paid. No. Brene Brown is being paid to go and consult with a corporation and offer their leadership, um, you know, um, business and leadership advice, right? Or she's being paid to go speak at such and such event. Um, she's getting paid for her research. She's getting... But she's not getting paid to go and do an interview on a podcast. And I I think that is where you have to be really, really mindful of who that person is and what their agenda is, right? Mm. And so, you know, there are times when, of course, you want to pay someone because their content, their platform, their whatever is valuable and all of that. But when you bring it into and into the podcast space, I think it jeopardizes your credibility because it looks like it'd be like if, you know, um, a major news outlet was paying somebody like the president of the United States to sit down and do an interview with them over somebody else. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you would immediately say, well, why does NBC get that over ABC? Well, oh, well, NBC play, paid a lot of money for it. It takes down the legitimacy and credibility of that of that interview, right? And so you want to be really careful about that. But going back to what, Lindsay, you were asking in the beginning about when is it time for somebody to pursue, mm. you know, somebody like us and how do you know? I think you want to ask yourself a few questions. You know, you want to say... Am I at a place where I have a product, a service, or a message that I want to get out further than I can get out on my own? Mm -hmm. I I want to I need somebody to be a megaphone for me, and um, so that's the first thing. The second thing: Do I have the margin to allow? to do interviews. If I hire a PR agency and they go and they book me podcasts mm. and website and TV and magazine interviews, do I have the bandwidth to be available to them? 
Because if you don't, then you shouldn't move forward, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to be any good for me to go pitch these places if you can't make yourself available to answer their questions. Third, do I have the money? Everybody assumes PR is free and marketing is paid, but PR is not free. Mm-mm. You know, if if you had the access to these producers and editors and freelancers and you knew the right people and the right shows and all of those things to go to, you wouldn't need me, right? Mm-hmm. But if you need me, that's going to be a service that you're going to have to be willing to pay for. And so some of those are easy questions you can figure out before you even determine, does it make sense to go and look at agencies? And you want to do your due diligence. Don't just interview who Aunt Linda sent you to because she's friends with them and they go to church together. You know, like make sure that you're really being thoughtful about the agencies that you consider. And there are some really great questions that you can ask them during that process that help you determine the right ones to move forward with. Do you guys, are? I know you're based out of the Nashville area, but yeah. you work with people all over the country. Oh, all over the country. And we have, you know, an office in um, Southern California and one in Jacksonville, Florida and one in oh, DC. Wow. Like we have people around the country. We are, our home base is, is Nashville, Tennessee. And that's where the majority of our team is, but we do have, um, other offices around the country, but yes, the vast majority of our clients are all over the country, not just exclusively in Nashville. I love Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. I go there every year for um, a race that I partner with um, for the other show. And I love I love going to Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville. We, My dad is from Jacksonville, so I have a lot of family on that side. I grew up going there every year to visit family. And my husband and I got married on Amelia Island. So oh. I'm very, very, that's like a, such a special part of the country to go and, and visit and be around because of the nostalgia and, and sentimentality there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, well... I got to I got to reach out to you guys. It's time. I know, Lindsay, <laughs> we need to figure out how to help you. I know. I know. I keep I have the I'm sure you've talked to so many people that say this and um, friends listening, this isn't like a consultation. I just like I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have all these just like natural questions that just come <laughs> to my mind. But I think a lot of people get to this place where they're like they've made it to this point and they're like, yeah. OK, to get to the next level or whatever you want to call it, something has to give. I have to do something. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there are three reasons that people really come to choice for. One is they're looking for clarity. They have 10 oars in the water. They don't know which oar to paddle Mm -hmm. first. And they don't know how to tell their story in a clear, concise, and compelling way. It takes them 10 minutes to tell their founder's story. It takes them 10 minutes to explain to somebody what they're doing. They just haven't been intentional or strategic about their communications. The second reason people come is because they're looking for exposure. They Mm -hmm. need to leverage our deep, longstanding relationships with media, influencers, and the like to get access. They don't have that direct access that we have. And then the third reason is they're looking for an audience. They're known over here to this Mm -hmm. community. If these people over here knew who they were, it would be a game changer, right? And so... For some people, that's their name and lights and the Hollywood sign and all of that. And for other people, it's just being introduced to a community that doesn't know they exist. So, you know, those are the main reasons. So if you find yourself in one of those areas or more than one of those areas, that's the kind of work where choice and or an agency like ours could really be beneficial to you. Hey, everybody. Okay, this podcast 
sponsorship situation is all about sleep. I want you to check out Lagoon pillows. They are the most comfortable pillows. So you're going to get your cozy earth sheets and then you're going to get your Lagoon pillow and your sleep is going to be masterful and amazing. And you're just going to have the best sleep hygiene out there. They have a two minute quiz. You fill it out, whether you're a side sleeper, back sleeper, however you sleep. If you like a soft pillow, a firm pillow, they will set you up with a pillow that best fits your needs. And they send you the filling. So if you want more or less filling, it's custom. I use the Otter. My husband, Glenn, uses the Fox. You will not be disappointed in these incredible pillows. I actually have an Instagram Live that is saved on my Instagram, lindsayhine626, with the founder of Lagoon. Uh, His name is Ryan. And if you want to hear more about his story and why he decided to make these pillows, why he became passionate about pillows and why these are the best pillows, go check out my interview with him. It's just a quick 15 minutes. Um, But go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 15% off your first order with Lagoon. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, Okay, so let's talk about like owning a business, starting a business with two little boys, managing, you know, right before we got on this call, you know, like I hopped on after like five minutes after like I took my kids to the library, made lunch, my babysitter got here. He's going to be done 65 things this morning before this podcast interview (laughs) because I want to right? like I want to do both. I'm so invested in this work and I love it so much. It it gives me so much and I hope the conversations on these shows and the other content I'm putting out gives to other people as well. I also know that time is fleeting and my gosh, I'm in this phase with my kids. They're four through 10 and it's a really sweet spot. Oh, listen, sister, I have one that will be a junior in the fall in high school, and we're doing the college thing. He's going to play baseball in college, and we're doing that recruiting process and college selection and all the things. You turn around twice, and they're about to leave. You know? It's heartbreaking. <laughs> but here's what I will say. I am a better Heather because I work. And so because of that, my boys, my husband are getting a better mom and wife because I work. That is not the case for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, I get so much joy, fulfillment, satisfaction out of working. And that may be the case for you. You get so much joy out of this work that you're doing. You're living out a passion that you have and your boys are getting a better Lindsay because of that as opposed to being resentful because you can't work mm. or or resentful because you don't have the time to fulfill um, or pursue that passion that you have. And so I look at it like that. And, and I am a very invested, devoted mom. You know, my boys are at camp. We're getting ready to pick them up. We're heading straight to a, a travel baseball tournament from, from camp. I will be fully invested with them. But I'm also raising boys that don't think it's unusual to have a mom who's a CEO of a business. Like, they don't think that's weird. They don't Mm -hmm. think that's uncommon. They also understand financial woes. They understand stress and time management because of the examples of that that they're seeing in the home. And so I love, 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 and it is my number one priority being a mother. Um, But I'm a much better mother because I get so much joy and passion out of doing the work that I do, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
I struggle with it because I want both. Like yesterday, yes. what day was it? I don't know. Monday, maybe. I was just cleaning a lot and doing all the house things, all the mom things. And I was like, this is a freaking full-time job. Like, it is. You know? It is. Like, oh it is gosh. a full. So, you know, and I have several friends who that is their full-time job. And well, and don't we have mad respect for those women? Like yes. mad respect for those women because that is not for me and I can't do it. And they can and they make it look easy. And that is what I'm like, how in the world? You know, I don't yeah. know how they do it. I struggle with it in a way that I don't think that my husband does though. Like yeah. I want these like library mornings and stuff like this, whereas he gets up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to work and you know, he works typical, like eight to six, whatever. Um, and he's present a good amount, but like he doesn't struggle with these like battles back and forth where I'm but like, I just want a full we're day. women and we've oh. been conditioned by society to carry the brunt of the mental load. We're thinking about the orthodontist appointments and the ordering of the uniforms and the, you know, for ball before, you know, the baseball season starts and the... Have we registered for class yet? And what are the summer camps that they're going to be involved in? Who's going to take care of them while I'm working? Like, do I need a nanny? Are they going to camp? What's, you know, like we carry the brunt of that mental load um, because we were conditioned by society to, to have that responsibility. And that is something where we have to advocate for ourselves and really have to figure out like, there's only one Heather that can go around only so much. And I'm learning this right now um, a great deal because my, my husband just had emergency open heart surgery. Oh, my and gosh. And he, you know, can't do the simple things around the house that he has al- – he's always been more than a 50-50 partner. But, like, mm. he can't take out the trash. He can't, um, you know, change out the laundry and, and do all of those things because – Right now, he's not allowed to do those things. He can't drive himself right now yet. And so I'm really realizing, oh, my gosh, like, this is what it feels like to be a parent that deals with all of this by themselves and doesn't have a partner who is, you know, absorbing some of that um, mental load with you because – it is a lot to keep yeah. your house clean, feed your children, make sure everybody is taken care of, and do your work too. I know. Uh, what did I just hear someone talking about? Like, you you mentioned you're going on this travel baseball trip, and um, we're yeah. about to go on a trip next week. And, you know, I know they always say, like, don't view your vacations with your kids as vacations so much as a trip because, like, there's going to be a lot of work involved as well. And I've just been thinking about that a lot, just like letting everything go and just like not thinking this whole trip has to be me with my feet up. Like the work Mm. of being a mom can still be the vacation, but like, and it can be relaxing, but like I'm doing, I'm doing, and I can still enjoy that. A lot of that has to do with putting, putting the work away and really checking out though. Well, and I think at the beginning of that, before you even leave for the trip, you have to think what you're hoping to get on the other Mm -hmm. side of that, right? For this travel baseball trip, which we do every weekend all summer long. So this is one (laughs) of many. It's not like this is an anomaly. 
Um, my whole goal is to be an invested, present mom that is championing, cheering for my kid, right? And so that looks different than when we take our summer vacation as a family, mm. when my goal at the end is to come back rested and restored and rejuvenated, you know? So I think you have to go into the experience thinking about what you want to get out of it. I also look at our vacations and trips as memory making mm -hmm. opportunities as opposed to this is a lot of work or you know whatnot I look at it as time present with my family and what that memory is going to look like you know on the other end of that so that I can be fully present in whatever you know role or capacity I'm going into that um, that experience having or wanting to have I know I was just thinking be the mom who gets in the water and does all the things on this trip. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And I can't like, always so do that. This is your but... summer vacation for your family that you're getting ready to go on. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is our, we're going to the beach with my husband and um, like my husband's family. His, he has three sisters and his dad's coming uh -huh. as well. And so, and all their kids are coming. We're all staying in a big house. So it'll be really cool. Well, um, that'll be great, but also exhausting because oh, you know, I know. all those other people and all their parenting styles Emotion. and oh. all their kids and all the, you know, all the things. So you have to go into it thinking, what, what do I want when I come home? What do I want to have felt like this trip provided me? And That's then go in idea. with that intention, you know? That is one of the most exhausting things as a parent is being around other people who you're worried they're judging your parenting. Yeah. And like, if like your parents don't styles. parent the way that you do and you're exhausted by their parents. Yes. All of it. It's all a big, totally, totally. it's all a thing. And you're like, oh, this isn't how I normally run my house. And I feel like I need to do this because I, they're watching me and all the things, all the things. Yep. Um, all right, Heather. Well, this has just been wonderful. Let's do some into the podcast questions. Yeah, of course. I'm ready. I knew I could just fly into this, like straight from the library. I was like, you just fly into this, rinse off in the shower real quick. I'm going to get my hair cut after that. That's a vacation Listen, in itself. Another mom uh, understands all yes. of that, right? Yes. We're in the summer months. You have to be flexible. Like you cannot be so regimented in the summer. Oh my gosh. And I'm just, I, your boys are 14 and 16 and... You know, yeah. we were at swim a swim meet last night. My boys are doing summer swim, which I'm like obsessed with. It's so fun. And I see these big boys, like these big 16-year-old They're like boys. men. It's not a joke. Like and my 16-year-old like is 6'4". Oh, and my he, gosh. And like, he towers over my husband and I and like looks down at us. The other day he was hugging me and he patted the back of my head like I was the kid. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Especially when you have boys, like more than oh likely, gosh. they're all going to be much bigger than you. Yes, absolutely. But I wouldn't change it for anything. The teenage years are my favorite so far. Is it, it so has, fun? Oh my gosh. I, it is my favorite season. I love it so much. They have come into their own. They have such distinct personalities. They're so fun to be around. I mean, it's just such, it is definitely, it gets better each stage, I think. Okay, one more thing on that. How are you handling, like, knowing that, like, it's such a short period of time? Because I struggle with, like, I got to be present. And it, I yeah. really struggle with this, like, oh, it's going to be over. I'm just being present when I am dedicated to them. So, like, when I'm working, I'm present mm. at work. 
when I am with my boys, I am present with my boys, right? As opposed to feeling like, oh, I need to take this call while I'm at the baseball game or, oh, I need to be, you know, like that doesn't happen. I am fully present at work when I'm at work. I'm fully present with the boys when I'm with the boys. And I don't, I try not to let those things overlap. Um, And, you know, as these moments continue to fleet and dissipate, I'm really making the most of these meaningful experiences that I have. Like we do one-on-one trips with our boys. Mm. We do, like I took my oldest to Chicago for his 16th birthday, my youngest to Boston for his 13th birthday. My husband does things with them. I do dates with them every single month, just one-on-one. And they're not fancy, you know, expensive events. It's just, my therapist talks about with boys in particular, you have shoulder to shoulder conversations Mm -hmm. as opposed to girls, you have face to face Mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. And even driving in the car with the boys and asking them intentional questions, like you have such meaningful conversation in these shoulder to shoulder. So I'm just trying to be really present when I'm and invested when I'm with them. I have to try really hard not to get too excited when one of them like actually wants to like get into a conversation where shoulder yeah. to shoulder. So I'm like, don't scare them off. Don't scare them off. <laughs> I know a friend of mine says, whenever your boys are not talking to you or t- telling you things, just take them for a walk mm-hmm. and don't say anything. And as you walk, like they eventually, it, again, it's that shoulder to shoulder. They don't feel the pressure mm. and they just, and I think that's so true. Gosh. All right. I guess I need that in my marriage too. If it's a boy thing. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Go to Greece. Ooh, nice. Yeah. We went to Europe last summer as a family and it was the most extraordinary experience of my life. Like total bucket list moment. And my husband and I were supposed to go to Greece this year for our 20 year wedding anniversary. And he had, uh, you know, open heart surgery and so we're not, but it is something I am like ready to check off of the bucket list. So glad he's okay, by the way. Thank you. Me too. I'm glad he's alive. I mean, seriously, caught it before anything crazy happened. Yeah, before he had like a heart attack. And just as a a PSA, I will say, this is what Matt and I are trying to tell everybody that we know. Matt was having an annual physical every single year. And he was having an EKG as a part of that physical. And they were all coming back normal. He had some symptoms like shortness of breath and nausea when we were on spring break and he came home and they did what's called a CAC, which is a calcium check. That determines how much buildup is in your arteries, which is totally different than an EKG. Matt's heart was functioning properly, but he had 99% blockage in the main arteries to his heart. Had he not done that CAC test, he would have had a heart attack and something much worse could have happened. And he went in because of the nausea and the shortness of breath. We were just walking down the beach on spring break and he was like, I just don't feel good. I mean, this is like a leisurely walk down the beach. It's not like we were on a hike. And he, he could not breathe well and he got very nauseated. And so he went to the doctor and the doctor sent him to the cardiologist and the cardiologist did that. They're on vacation? No, no, no. When we got home. When you got home. Yeah, when we got home. But now looking back, were you like, would, should we have gone while we were there? Well, it was 12 days from the day they did the test till his open heart surgery. 
Um, and that oh, was they for us to meet with the cardiothoracic surgeon and all of the things. But the, the cardiologist said, we don't want to kick the anthill. Like, this is very serious. He has 99% blockage. We do not want any cardiac episode to happen. So we need to keep everything as calm and as normal as possible till the surgery happens. Wow. Yeah. But that CAC test is what tells that's you what the calcium buildup in your arteries. So you can ask versus for it if they don't give it to you. Yeah. It, that's exactly right. And that is what Matt needed was to know about the buildup for the blockage as opposed to his heart was functioning properly otherwise. Tell everybody about meeting your the surgeon's wife randomly. <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. So um we live in Nashville. Matt had his surgery at St. Thomas West, which is a huge heart hospital in Nashville. And he um, um, got released from the hospital, but couldn't go, like I said, can't go and do certain things yet. So I went to our youngest son Thaxton's baseball tournament the next weekend after Matt got out of the hospital. And I was talking to one of the moms sitting in the bleacher with me and I was introducing myself to her and I said, I'm sorry we haven't met yet. My husband just had open heart surgery. And, um, you know, so we haven't, you know, been at some of the games yet because I've been dealing with that. And she was like, oh, where did he have the surgery? And I said, St. Thomas West. And she's like, my husband's a cardiothoracic surgeon there. And I was like, well, Dr. Babu is who performed Matt's surgery. And she was like, that's my husband. <laughs> and I said, Nicole, your husband saved my oh. husband's life. And... Our boys are on the same travel baseball team. So we are with Dr. Babu and his family all summer. That's and I'm amazing. like, amazing. Matt, this is amazing. That's so crazy. It's funny how God works and makes those little things happen, isn't it? Like, what are the odds? I know, right? All the uh, baseball teams in Nashville, all the aged children you could potentially have. And yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> what's the best, most recent book you've read? Uh, our book club read lessons in chemistry, which is Ooh. fantastic. And I just saw that it's being made into a series. I want to say for Hulu and Brie Larson is going to play the main female character. And it, it is a sensational book and I'm looking forward to the show too. Oh, I got to read that. I've had so many people yeah. recommend it. It's so good. It has not... You know, a lot of times, because I pay attention to the bestseller list and I'm in that industry, a lot of times some of those things are overhyped. It is not overhyped in the least. Okay. I got yeah. I did just go to the library with my boys, though, and I checked out like eight books, which I'll read. I'll have time to read two of before they need to right. be returned. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm because I'm always just like shoveling them in my arms because, I, you know, they're picking out books and I don't have time totally. to like really do a deep dive. Oh, I love um, library visits. Oh, me too. It was great. I'm like, if only I could get these boys to be as excited about the books once we get home as they are when they're picking them out. Right. Um, okay. Do you have a trip you recommend taking with your family or some just something fun you've done with your kids? Yeah. I have something that we started when the boys were 10 years old, and I highly recommend this. We started surprise birthday trips, and Ooh. we started them at 10. And we don't do them every birthday. We only do them on certain birthdays. So, so far we've done 10, 13, and 16. And we each take turns. So they don't know which birthday, they don't know which parent, and they don't know where they're going. Fun. So they wake up the morning of their birthday, and we have packed their bags, we have planned the whole trip, and we take them. 
So like I mentioned earlier, like Dixon turned 16 in January and I took him to Chicago. We planned the trip based on the child too. Mm-hmm. So like we went to a basketball game and we went shopping on Michigan Avenue and we went to a bunch of museums and things. Thaxton turned 13 last year and I took him to Boston. He's my history buff. So we did all this history stuff. We did. So um, Matt has taken them. He took Thaxton to Miami when he turned 10. He took Dixon to California, um, to San Francisco when he turned 13. So we take turns. But I am here to tell you traveling one on one with your Mm. child enriches your relationships so much and you learn so much about them and them you. And I am so happy that we started that. So we started it at 10. We've done 10, 13, and 16. So. Oh, I need to do this. And, you know, we have four kids and I don't get much one-on-one time. And I got to be honest, it makes me kind of nervous. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, because I never, I, that's a really long time to just be one-on-one with one of them. And I'm like, will we be bored like our house is just so loud and full of energy you know yeah but if you get but I love bored, the idea yeah think of all that you'll learn about your child yeah. in that boredom oh, it's I like in the that. summer when you tell them to get bored like yeah I'm not gonna entertain you 24 7 you know yeah. um I love one it, other though. thing that might be easier for you to do initially is I do monthly dates with mo- mm. both of my boys and so um once a month It's just each one of us. And Matt does the same on his end. And it might be, you know, um, dinner one night or we might go ice skating or something. They're not always extravagant things. It's, you know, it's really simple things, but it's the time that you're spending one-on-one that's the key there. And that might be a little bit more accessible to start before you do like a weekend with them away or a trip or something. My husband did take our oldest when he turned 10 to New York City, just the two of them, and that was really good. Um, Yeah, no, you're right. And I think it will help so much with just the attention that they're craving. You know, they're always fighting for attention, and I get it. I would be too. Well, and they're one of four, and this reminds them that they're special in your eyes independently you know all right last question what's your last message to leave with the audience oh gosh I you know I would just say that one thing that I've learned over the years the hard way is that you are enough um you are perfectly gifted the way that you are the way your body looks the amount of time that you have Um, the competencies that you share, the gifting that God has given you, like you are enough. And I think so often we question like, oh, I don't have enough followers or, oh, I'm not skinny enough or, oh, I don't make enough money or, oh, I don't live in a certain kind of house or, oh, my children are not perfectly mannered, you know, like, Mm. and at the end of the day, you are good enough. You are worthy. And so that's just a good reminder, I think, constantly to say to ourselves. Heather, thank you so much. Lindsay, thank you. Such a delight to be with you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, If you are interested in learning more about Heather, go to choicemediacommunications.com. You can also follow Heather on Instagram. She's a great follow. She's just Heather Dixon Adams over there. You can find me. I'm Hine 626 on Instagram, at Hine on Twitter. Uh, you should definitely go to our website, sandyboyproductions.com, to get 
signed up for our newsletter so that the show notes are sent to your inbox every single week. And I'm just so grateful you're here. I really, really am. You can connect with me on email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?